Hello and welcome to this episode of Entain Voices. Your host is Douglas Elliott. Hi everyone, my friends call me Doug. Today we're here to take a deep dive with a tech team that runs Entain's in-house trading platform. So let's introduce our guests. First up is Gareth Tranter. Gareth is Chief Technology Officer for Trading at Entain, where he leads a global team across Hyderabad, Vienna, and more recently, Manchester. Previously with Tote and Bet365, Gareth has been shaping the technology that powers the sportsbook industry for over a decade. Hi, Gareth. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Doug. Thanks for having me. Great to have you here. My second guest is Julian Hayward. He's a more recent addition to the Entain team, but as head of engineering, he's no stranger to trading technology. In fact, Julian was the first critical hire here in Manchester. Hi, Julian. Thanks for joining us. Hello, thanks for having me. Pleasure. So, gents, before we kick off the tech talk, I'm conscious that the business we work for isn't a household name. So for the listeners that have never heard of us, can you tell us a little bit about Entain and what we do? Yeah, it's really interesting, actually, because Entain is the overarching uh, owner of a bunch of brands that people probably do recognise. So in the UK, for example, we, we own and run the Ladbrokes and Coral brands, which are pretty much high street well-recognized names and, and, the, and the, the websites that go with them. And the, the same story is true around the world. So in the US, um, we, we have a joint venture on BetMGM. And around the world, we have lots of household names like BWIN in Europe, Sporting Bet in South America, and Ladbrokes Australia in Australia as examples. So although the NSA name itself isn't always instantly recognizable, the brands that form the company really are day-to-day really well-recognized names. Yeah, for sure. Nicely put. I know when someone asks me who I work for, I tend to skip uh, all the the kind of, you know, FTSE 100 and that kind of thing and just skip straight ahead to the well-known brand names and that avoids all the blank stares and people tend to get it right away. Yeah, and I, I guess then people can kind of connect straight away to what, what we do in terms of the bookmaking sportsbook industry that, that, that we operate in. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's a really good segue. So let, let's, let's start talking about tech. And I think it'd be really cool to start with the basics because it might not be obvious. Tell us how tech powers the sportsbook industry. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, and, and it's not not a straightforward answer, I guess. So, um, if you think about the odds that you might see on your mobile phone or a website when you're looking at, you know, Liverpool versus Man United, the price and the data that that you see on your phone has to come from somewhere, and, and the journey for that starts um, with a person entering data and into it as an official data supplier, if you like at the ground um, and that then gets sent to us um, in, a, in a data feed effectively and there are lots of different data feeds lots of different companies that provide that data that have the official rights for all sorts of different sports so one of our first challenges if you like is having to integrate with lots of different providers and different formats of data feed for you know, American sports for table tennis for football um, and they send us all of the information that we that we need to know. So they might send us goals, corners, um, points scored, clocks, um, you name it. Everything gets sent. And there are reams and reams of data that come through these feeds. Um, and then that's where the fun begins for us, really. We have to ingest all of that data in real time at very, very quick speed because we have to take that data and turn it into some kind of market, some kind of price that somebody might want to bet on. Um, and that requires then uh, us pushing it through a mathematical model, deciding what the odds should be, um, and then being able to present that to a front end that, that shows it in a really nice format to the customer. Um, so that, that in a nutshell is what the trading platform that platform does, ingests that data and, and, and turns out a price. Sure. And am I right in saying that Entain is, is a little bit unusual in that 
we have our own in-house platform, which is what you're talking about there and the team that you lead. Yeah, it, it is unusual. I think quite a number of the bigger providers that you see in the UK and abroad use third-party off-the-shelf solutions. So there are some common providers that lots and lots of bookmakers use, but there aren't so many that, that really do it themselves, that, that, that have that technology in-house. And it's important for us that we do do that because it gives us more flexibility and the ability to you know, actually deliver our own product and our own pricing um, and tweak it for our customers and for, for our platform to to be a little bit more unique and a bit better than, than some of the others that are out there that are very generic. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hearing hearing all of those complexities, it's probably no wonder that most companies rely on a third party bit of tech. Um, you know, it, it sounds like the demands on that are extremely heavy. Maybe you could go a bit deeper into what making what what makes this whole kind of structure so complex. You've already talked about a few of the data points there. Paint us a picture. Yeah, so the the complexity really is around the high transaction volume and the low latency. So if you think about Saturday afternoon, our business is a business that goes from being really quiet at certain periods to really bursty peak activity. So Saturday afternoon is a great example. So all of the football across Europe kicks off at the same time, so three o'clock UK very very traditional time for, for kickoff and we'll go from you know, very few fixtures in the morning to um, you know probably three four hundred concurrent fixtures at the same time those three or four hundred concurrent fixtures will each um, have maybe up to five six hundred markets and each one of those markets has multiple participants so you start times in 400 by 400 by more and and then you figure out that every second you could get a new data point for that particular match and all of a sudden you're into dealing with millions of messages floating around the system um, about this has happened in this game this has happened in that game recalculate all of these markets suspend all of these markets and send it back out onto the site um, and, and we have to maintain multiple services to, to deal with all of that stuff so we have services that do different things you know create the markets suspend the markets price them properly and then at the end of the game result those markets so you know quarter to five on a, on a Saturday afternoon is a huge burst of, of, of settlement activity so when you're sat there with a cup of tea looking at your results you know our systems are working really really hard to calculate who's won and who's lost and to settle all that stuff and give all that money back to the customer um, and then also what we'll see is a whole bunch of people log in because they want to know how much they've won or how much they've, they've lost if they've lost probably don't want to log in but we see that massive burst <laughs> of people coming on the site going okay what, what's my balance um, yeah. what have I got and then you've got added complexity like people want to cash out so we have to maintain the cash out value all the way through 400 games when there are multiple data points changing. So the, the cash out value has to be correct and people will constantly refresh or look at the site trying to, to see that value, which adds more pressure on. Um, and like I say, probably four hours before that, there, yeah. there, there would probably have only been a couple of fixtures on the site. Um, so it's very, very bursty. You, know, you, you go from a very low peak to a very high peak very, very quickly. And you've got to do that without the site falling over because if it even starts to go slow, then customers will will be able to get on bets that they shouldn't be able to get on or things will start to really fall apart. Um, so every service that we write in that chain of services has to be just as quick as the, as the one it's it, it's getting information from. Um, otherwise, you know, big problems. Well, apart, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's absolutely mind boggling. Um, and just, just listening to all those various kind of feeds and data points, where my mind goes to straight away is, is something like, you know, e-commerce or maybe some kind of complicated fintech platform. But, you know, how, how would those types of challenges compare to trading? 
Yeah, it, I, I guess it's different, right? In terms of like, if you're a traditional, normal high street e-commerce platform in the UK, you won't see the kind of data flow around the system that we do because you're not calculating things on the fly in real time all of the time. You know, that 90 minutes of a football match for us it, it's really critical that in real time everything is correct. Whereas if you're you know, a clothing retailer, you need to maintain your stock numbers and deal with customers coming onto your site. The complexity of the problem you're dealing with is lower. Uh, now, that's not to say that, you know, your Google and your Amazons, they've got really complex problems that they, they solve with great technology, right? They're, they're a different kettle of fish. But if we compare what we do to a fairly normal website um, that you would see in the UK or abroad, then we've certainly got more complex technical challenges to deal with because of the real time nature of what we do. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, just thinking back to a couple of minutes ago, you used a really interesting phrase about high transaction volume and low latency. Yeah. What kind of tech stack are you guys using to help you power this type of, I suppose, intensive processing? Yeah, there's, there's, there's different technologies, really. And there's lots of different technologies that are appropriate for this type of stuff. So we've we've moved away from sort of some of the traditional high volume database transaction technologies like SQL to use things like Redis um, and Kafka, which allow us to send messages around the system quicker um, and deal with it in memory caches so we can deal with things quicker than, than, than we would with a SQL database. So they're, they're a key part of our strategy. Um, microservices in terms of how we set, set stuff out is, is important to us because that allows us to horizontally scale a lot of the tech, tech stack that we've got. Um, and be able to spin up more services to deal with with, with higher bursty volume. So, um, but then we use some sort of very well-known technologies. So we use C Sharp and we and we use Java in, in the platform. And the key to it is that we use it right. That, mm -hmm. that we write code that's that's high performant, that's good code. Um, and we look for people who've got that kind of background that they've dealt with things that have to scale well, that that do come under a lot of pressure um, at peak times because. Um, you know, what you'll find in, the, in, in different industries, it's really easy to write bad code, right? So you can write bad code in any language. Um, yeah. You've really got to have a mindset of being able to understand, you know, what my code is going to do under under that load and not just what it's going to do under a, a small load. Yeah, that, that seems like quite a unique challenge. Um, you kind of briefly touched on it just then, but is there a particular type of person that it takes to, to succeed in this type of, of, of kind of trading tech and environment? Uh, there's no one type of person, right? I think there's lots of types of people that, that, that work in the team. And look, it, it's good if you like sport. I mean, one of the reasons I love my job is because I love sports and gambling, right? And I, and I like IT. So that makes it easier for me to come to work. And I think some people feel the same, but it's not it's not essential. I think we, what we want in a developer who's somebody who's analytical, who's seen these types of problems before in whatever industry that they've worked in and, and are just interested and passionate about getting something right. Uh, you know that, that's what we're really looking for so you know it can be a wide variety of people definitely the interests in in this industry help you but you know there are lots of other skill sets that we look for too gotcha so you're thinking having, a, having an understanding and interest in sports would definitely help with the job but it's by no means essential yeah absolutely and if you think about you know the problems that you're going to be coding you're going to be coding about basketball or about football or about tennis so understanding what happens in the point scoring system or what happens when a goal goes in is definitely advantageous to some of the things that you're going to be asked to to work in but at the same time people who are really good coders 
um, are, are always priceless, right? Always, yeah. always a good hire, right? So you don't have to have that knowledge. It just helps. Sure. Julian, are you a sporting fan or is it, uh, it's not your game? <laughs> not, not really. Um, yeah, more about the technology for me. Um, I watch, um, <clears throat> you know, football when it's the you know, World Cup, that kind of, I do, I do enjoy that, that kind of, uh, that kind of arena and that, but yeah, from a week to week basis, uh, not, not that big on the sports at all. It's, it's, yeah, technology for me, for sure. Um, yeah, thankfully, Gav <laughs> doesn't doesn't need me to be a sports fan to uh, to to be passionate about that. Uh, as as he just said, like I said, it is an advantage. I mean, uh, knowing what's happening in in a game, how they're structured, points system, that kind of thing, definitely does help. But there's there's more to development than than the actual domain knowledge of of, of that area. There's the you know. <laughs> We've got to write services, high availability, high low latency. You know that that's about the way the the programmatical structures in the code uh, and the like. And you know, there's a particular type of uh, of developer can be can be good at that and not not no sports at all. Yeah, no, I get yeah. I mean, you know, here we are. We both work for one of the biggest sports book industry well companies in the world. I live literally five minutes walk from Old Trafford, and I'm always surprised when the the traffic kind of picks up when the game on because I just don't follow football at all. But um, I can confirm it's it's not essential to work here at Entain to to enjoy sports, but a lot of people seem to. Fair. Um, well, mentioning Old Trafford, I mean, why have we chosen to grow a team here in Manchester? It's a relatively new thing, isn't it? It's uh, it's only been kind of going on for the past month or so. Yeah, it, it is, and I, I guess at the moment we're very geographically distributed for for where our tech teams work. We have a big presence in India, and we have a big presence in Austria as well as as London and other places around the world. But for, for us, we're always growing. The, the challenge of of what we need to deliver functionally for the website never really stops. So what we what we're always looking for really is new markets where we can hire the right people um, to to get more stuff done for our customers and for our for our company so manchester's a really good place for us because in the uk it's it's the number one tech hub outside of london um we've got a lot of companies that work in this area that that are really tech focused so there's a lot of talented people that already work here that work for um, a wide variety of different industries with very similar challenges to ours um and you've got some great universities that are pumping out um, lots of good graduates that that can come 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 to a company like ours and learn and grow and, and deliver some really good code. Um, you know, I've worked in the Manchester market before over the last number of years, and I know the quality of candidate that exists there. So for us, it was a really logical step when we were looking to grow further that Manchester be a great place to be. Um, there's also a great city centre that people can leverage outside of work as well, right? So you know, there's lots and lots of advantages to what is a great city. Absolutely, I, I can second that. Um, just moving forward, do you expect your team to work from Manchester, or do people commute in? You know, is the flexible working arrangements? What's the what's the landscape like? Yeah, it, it's very flexible at the moment. So our, our company policy is to spend a couple of days a week in, in the office. It's very flexible in terms of the amount of time that we're spending together. We are spending some time together every couple of weeks as a team as we grow, um, and and that will that will turn into a couple of days a week going forwards. But we're really flexible in terms of, of developers. It is a job that you can do from home when you when you when you're experienced, and you know what you're doing. But what we do find is that some time to collaborate really is essential, as in it really helps teams to come together reasonably frequently to whiteboard solutions, to talk through, um, you know, what the product guys are asking them to deliver, to work as a, as a team. 
So some some I, I big believer in some space and time together to yep. work through those problems. But then you can go away, work from home, get the solutions done, and come back together at, at regular intervals. Yeah, fair play. Well, the proof's in the pudding, Julian. How long have you been entertained now, and how are you finding it so far? Uh, I think four four weeks now. I started on the third of Jan. Uh, mm-hmm. climbed into the new year um yeah it's been been very very busy um a, a lot of interviews a lot of interviews um <laughs> four four in a day sometimes uh made a few few good high what i consider good highs so far and uh those people are starting to feed through so we'll be in the office uh next monday we're all getting together so there'll be 10 of us there and then we'll move on from there with just probably another another 10 that have that are, that are coming to join us um in the next month or so uh and i'll still continue to hire to fill to fill those positions uh but yeah I've, I've been too busy to think about it actually reflect on um what's been going i mean been just plugging through to to do that because it did it's the people it's got to be the people um and and yeah we need to build that so yeah focusing on a number of probably the, the developer roles more initially because obviously if we don't write any code then there's nothing to test there's nothing to uh to deliver uh but yeah i'll be, I'll be you know focusing more on on other roles from developer after that so there'll be a test function uh and a delivery function as well that we need to need to fill gotcha but, i think julian raised a really good point there as well that the the, the, the the key people is what we're really after with the manchester office what what we're both really keen to do is to build a high performing team um, and by team, I mean people that enjoy working together, that enjoy the challenge of, of you know, what we've got to deliver in front of us, but in, enjoy doing that and enjoy actually getting things delivered over the line. It, it's a particular you know, skill set to build that kind of team. Julian's done it before, which is one of the reasons that we've got him on board. But it's very important to me that we build that team that's high performing where people really enjoy their work. Gotcha. So just to flag to anyone who's listening who might be interested in that, um, you know, Julian's already mentioned the developers being a key priority. C Sharp and Java, as you were saying before, Gareth. Before, C Sharp, C Sharp and Java. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and not only that, with building a good team, it, it's it's about having a diversity of talent and diversity mm-hmm. of experience within the team. Um, you, you know, you can't you can't just buy, you, know, you just if you're only going to target like the, the the six best lead developers in Manchester and get them to work together. Yeah. yeah, it builds a team that will produce something, but it doesn't have that growth potential. The same as what if you've got a good spread um, of of experience and knowledge. And what I'm trying to do is make sure I get some experienced people on board to build that kind of mentorship model. Yeah. Um, I'll be looking to 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 change uh, and shift at the stage where we've got that framework in place for mentorship to start looking at graduate recruitment um, and start building through junior developers and get them to to come through and. You know, a team will grow in that fashion. It's it's, it's scalable because you nice. can start adding more people at, at different levels and enabling that that to, to to spread sideways as well as as well as upwards. Nice. And look, I think Julian will agree as well. As a leader of a team, I think there's nothing more pleasurable than seeing people that you've brought on at those junior levels rise through the ranks and, and deliver more and more and more. I've seen that over the years where somebody started as a junior developer and ended up as a tech leader, a dev manager, and watching that career growth and that person learn and and, and develop is brilliant and really, really a, a rewarding thing to do. Awesome. I'm thinking ahead to the future then, what kind of roles are you looking to recruit once you've got all the devs in place? We'll get the majority of the devs, devs in place, and then after that, we've got QA automation, uh, automation testers. So a big, a big part of having a good, good technology platform is it's always automation, whether that's 
you know developers writing tools to automate what they do or the, the testing itself and you know we're looking to do, deliver quality products and you, you you can't deliver quality unless you can test that quality um so yeah Q, uh, qa automation testers uh generally c sharp uh skill set around that as well um and then yeah the the delivery side um so um the delivery managers who will um you know cover partly the, the actual delivery of the product itself to production but also there's another element in regards to the, the the kind of like soft skill mentorship of the of the people on the team and the you know the kind of the regular one-to-ones and ensuring people are okay and that they're going in the right direction and you know providing the help that they need uh, and then finally there's a business analysis uh, element as well um, where you know the BAs are, are there to really pull, pull all those requirements of actually what is needed to be written out of the um out of the out of the product guys you know the product guys say what they want yeah. uh but then that's going to be translated into a set of requirements that, that, that really indicate what it is that we need to build to to, to fulfill that perfect well one last question for me in that case if someone's heard this podcast they're interested in finding out more where do they go for, to look for opportunities uh, get online search for insane careers uh you should be able to find the vacancies there Lovely. Well, thanks on that note then. Gareth, Julian, it's been a real eye-opener for me. Um, you know, who knew that so much tech goes on behind the scenes in the sportsbook industry? Any tips for the weekend? Uh, look, I get asked that question a lot. The, the answer is always keep the money in your pocket if you can, right? But what you have got coming up really soon is the Super Bowl, which is a massive event for us. Um, it will probably be the biggest event of the year, bigger than the Grand National, bigger than all of the football. Um, so have a look at, at a bang on that because uh, that's something to really be involved in this year. Awesome. Thanks for the heads up. Appreciate this. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, good luck with building the team in Manchester. Good night. Thanks, Doug. Thank you much. Thank you.